It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to another episode, program of Estate Planning Essentials. I'm sitting here with Dallas Elder Law Attorney, the wonderful, the outstanding, the exceptional Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing? I must say, of course, we're sitting virtually as we we talk nowadays about being present, and present could be virtual. Uh, It seems like the whole definition of present has changed. It's almost redundant because <laughs> they don't expect us to be sitting together. So I almost leave it out intentionally, although I'm glad everyone knows we're still not together and that uh, we're not through this um, tumultuous viral season. Uh, I hope we're getting there soon. I know you do, too, and that vaccines are on the way. But in the meantime, we have to do this by telephone to continue to fulfill what the uh, Surgeon General said the other day, the three W's. Um, and I think they were wear your mask watch your distance, and wash your hands. So the three W's at all times is what he was advocating, and and you and I are no exceptions. We're doing the same thing in our businesses and radio stations, and we hope and pray the audience is doing the same thing. Yeah, especially with the holidays with so many people traveling, uh, this becomes even more paramount. Uh Boy, that's the truth. Well, speaking of holidays, um, we're going to go see Mom and we're going to go see Dad. And uh, a lot of people either see them via Zoom, which is how Michael conducts his excellent workshops, or um, you'll see your parents in person. But uh, of Dad, you know, me and acronyms, and that's how I try to remember things um, throughout my life. And with Dad, it's DAD. And Michael's program is DAD, ironically, and that is debt after death. So if you want to remember what Michael talked about today, just think of Dad. <laughs> and you'll be off and running. So, Michael, you want to talk about the debt that people realize after someone they know or love passed away, and who's supposed to pay for what? Yeah, so there's a lot of different things. And, of course, of course, with uh, holidays here, a lot of people spend a lot of money. And, of course, with COVID-19, a lot of people might be having even more debt, uh, unfortunately. And so I thought it might be a good topic at this time, uh, because what happens with debt after death? Because there's the probate process. Sometimes people have beneficiary designations, marriages, credit cards, you know, you name it, federal student loans. There are different ways that different on um, different things. Some things are forgiven and some things are not. Mm-hmm. So I thought that this show might be something that people might find of interest uh, as to your debts, uh, as to what happens uh, after your death. So the first uh, thing I would probably mention, go ahead, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that you have taught me over the years um, uh, how you sit down with people and not rapid fire, but it comes to you so quickly and you just hit them up with, had you thought about, did you know, did you realize? And that's what you do with these people. And that's what, uh, whether it's in, it's usually in the vision meeting after the workshop. And this is what you're going to do in this program today, basically, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I don't, you know, of course I have, for those who don't know, we usually don't talk about the show, what we're going to talk about on the show before the show, 
uh, except for maybe the topic. Right. And a lot of times we don't even know. We have no idea where it's going to go because I know if I have no idea what questions you might ask, mm-hmm. uh, we feel like it's better to be spontaneous. Right. So, in any event, uh, and, and so I don't know exactly what I'll be saying except for we're going to just talk about it and we'll see where it leads. Right. So the first thing, you know, a lot of times people have debts uh, that let's say that just like when you have probate, people just think about well, first of all what's probate when you have a will. Uh, a lot of times you go to court to transfer assets from one person to whoever the beneficiaries of the will are. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have stock, then the uh, you have to go to court to probate the will to say that the executor has authority. Well, but probate is not just to protect the beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. It's also to protect creditors. The executor has a duty to pay off debt bills. So, so if there is an executor, that's part of the process, and then there's uh, so. In fact, there's some in, in the Texas Estates Code. There's some rules regarding claims that are going to be made or could be made, and and there's a process. So first of all, after the will is probated, after the court says that the will is good, then technically the executor has to put a notice in. Some newspaper that nobody reads. <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, actually, a newspaper of general circulation. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I say that jokingly because uh, right. that's what I usually tell uh, people all the time. Uh, I know that you probably read the Daily Commercial Record on a regular basis, <laughs> but usually, uh, <laughs> for those who don't, uh, a lot of people don't. But you have to do it in some uh, newspaper like that. Mm-hmm. And so you basically, if you do that, uh, then the creditors only have one year, um, excuse me, two years to uh, to to do something as far as uh, making a claim. And uh, that means, after, to, yeah, in other words, if they want to sue, uh, right. they, they, you know, they they have a limited time frame. And actually, in Texas, and, and, and the executor has a duty within sixty days. Not only do they have a duty to put something in the newspaper within 30 days after mm-hmm. the will has been probated, but they actually mm-hmm. have, if, if it's a secure creditor, they have to give notice to the secure creditor within 60 days. A secure creditor is like, let's say you go to the bank and you have a loan, right. and they say, oh, uh, we want collateral. Right. Uh, then that is a secure creditor, or if there's somebody has a judgment against the deceased, that would mm-hmm. be a secure creditor. Um so maybe now, somebody who's first in line, basically, yeah. compared to an unsecured creditor. Okay, that right, makes sense. Yeah. And, and when you say newspaper, in this digital age, does that mean just an electronic posting, too, if people only read the paper online? You know, it, it has to the, – the rule is it, it says a newspaper of general circulation. That's what the rule okay. says. So uh, we actually get something we when we you pay a fee – to mm-hmm. the newspaper, then they mm-hmm. return it to the court, mm-hmm. and it actually has a little clipping of what uh, what's in the newspaper, uh, and that's submitted to the court. Now the yeah, and some courts uh, will not. I mean, technically, you have a duty to do that within thirty days if you have if you're probating the will and there's an executor appointed. Sometimes, if there's no debts, uh, then you in Texas there's a way to probate the will. Uh, where there's no executor appointed, so there wouldn't be a notice if there's no debt. So there's the traditional way of probate where you get what's called letters testamentary for the benefit of the executor, but there's a second way of probate called 
muniment of title when hmm. there's no debts. So uh, that's kind of unique to Texas, but the idea is if you have no debts, then, well, I don't have to worry about these other types of things that are required if you have an executor. Got it. Now, the executor of un- unsecured creditors, uh, uh, you could give another thing called a permissive notice, uh, and then they only have four months to respond. So if you say, look, you're an unsecured creditor, if you don't make a claim within four months, you're out. I see. Yeah, so you, so that's kind of – every state has different rules. So you really have to um, – every rules of every state are different. So mm-hmm. that presume and, and by the way, if they do make a claim um, and the executor doesn't respond – then it's presumed to be rejected. And okay. Then the, then the creditor could um, uh, either sue or not sue or whatever. Now, there's even claims after the will has been probated. There's even a claims docket. So you could say, well, we, we either accept or reject the claim and discuss it before the court. Mm. Now, I- interestingly enough, let's say that there was um, – this will probably shock a lot of people um, – that let's say you had – $100,000 of assets, but there was $110,000 of debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and let's say that that was after negotiation or whatever, and that somebody else is a paid-on-debt beneficiary. Let's say they had a bank account that said, all to my daughter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, if the daughter got that account, the executor has a duty to go after that paid-on-debt account to help pay the bills. So a lot of times people say, well, why do I need a will? <laughs> well, because if I have a paid-on-death beneficiary, well, it's not just to transfer title to assets. It's also to protect the creditors uh, for bills to be paid. Okay. So, yeah, so it's, it's so there's a claims process. Uh, otherwise, usually you go by, uh, you know, somebody could sue, usually depending on the statute of limitations, generally Normally on statute of limitations, if you have contracts, it's usually four years. But here we've talked about some of the exceptions uh, uh, under Texas law. So there's mm-hmm. the Texas state's code that we have to go by. Uh, and so, you know, anyway, so that's, so there's these rules that you go by uh, if you have debts. Uh, as, so when your assets are not only pass as part of the estate, but also your debts pass as part of the estate, and the uh, executor has a duty to take care of those, and if they don't take care of those, then they have personal liability. I see. Yeah, so you have to be, so executors better be careful out there. Now, sometimes if you have beneficiary designations, uh, there is, there are protections. So, for example, uh, if you had a inherited IRA and you were named as a beneficiary or, or of life insurance, then usually unsecured creditors cannot collect from those type of things, from those type of accounts. Um, at least in Texas, uh, on you know there was this uh, law that was a case that went before the Supreme Court a few years back uh, that inherited IRAs have creditor protection. Inherited IRA is usually child uh, inherits the IRA, uh, and so the child would have creditor protection. Now, that's mm-hmm. not always the case in all states, by the way. Uh, in fact, we're in the minority states. So, but in Texas, if, but, but let's say you didn't have a beneficiary designation. What happens if you say you, the person you named died? We've, 
I think we talked a few years ago where we had a, a married couple and, and the wife was insistent that there be no secondary beneficiary. And the uh, she said, my husband's going to die before me. And um, I mean, I'm going to die before my husband, so he'll just have to deal with it after I die or something like that. Well, she was so she could have killed her husband because he died first. And and unfortunately, she died uh, six days later and didn't have time to change the beneficiary designation. So there was no beneficiary designation. So when there was no beneficiary designation, even if they had a trust, he never put an IRA in a trust or any kind of retirement account because that would be a taxable event, Mm. So at least during lifetime. Um, So they had no beneficiary designation, so they had to probate the will to transfer the title to the property, the Mm -hmm. retirement account. So if you name the estate or if you had nothing, Let's say you named somebody and that person died and you had no secondary beneficiary. Now you have to go through the probate process. Nightmare. Yeah, mm. yeah. And now we did have, and you have to also be careful because we had uh, one that was a second marriage. Uh, we were probating the will. And uh, under Texas law, you're supposed to name your spouse as your beneficiary unless the spouse consents otherwise mm. on a retirement account. So we had a second marriage. Husband has a will that says, um, my wife gets the home after paying this debt, but the um, uh, and but doesn't say anything. The, there's no beneficiary designation on his IRA. Hmm. So we talked to the company holding the IRA. So, well, gee, uh, since I'm representing the wife, we say, look, under Texas law, you have to name the spouse. So we'll do a what's called a spousal rollover so that the IRA all goes to the wife instead of his children. Oh, wow. and, we, and we were successful at doing that. So I guess the important thing is be sure and look at your that you have not only just one beneficiary, but maybe um, uh, at least a contingent, and maybe depending on how, how much room they'll give you, if you can make as many different options as possible, then it, you would have more protection. Uh, and the other problem, by the way, is a tax issue. If you Sometimes if you name an estate, then you have to pay the taxes uh, maybe over five years, so you're going to have more taxes, uh, income taxes, uh, uh, a lot of times uh, if you name an estate. So name generally individuals as beneficiaries and make sure you have contingencies, although sometimes you could have trust as a beneficiary uh, we've talked about before under the Secure Act that there's now the stretch only for uh, either for a spouse to do a spousal rollover, which we just talked about, where the spouse just takes it over their uh, over this long period of time, uh, or if there's somebody's disabled or chronically ill or somebody's less than 10 years of age, difference than you, or uh, if there's somebody that's uh, your beneficiary is a minor, if it's your child. So those are the exceptions where you can still stretch the IRA over that person's life expectancy. Anyway, so you have to look at your beneficiary designations. Sometimes those are protected and sometimes they're not, and you have to also consider the tax issue. So it gets a little bit uh, – it's more to stuff than just having a beneficiary. There's other things that you have to consider, and you should always have a contingent beneficiary. Also, by the way, life insurance, if you have a beneficiary, then that should be protected from creditors. If you name if you name that person, but again, if you didn't name somebody and it goes to your estate, well, then if it goes to the estate, well, then creditors can go after it, just like 
any uh, other bill, like we talked about earlier, if it's an asset of the estate, also there's debts of the estate. And when there's debts of the estate, the executor has a duty to pay those debts. If not, they have personal liability. So, um, so you have to be careful. So, you know, you you mentioned that, and you've you taught over the years too. That I and I find it fascinating, but it makes perfect sense that when uh, you create your estate plan, you also have to indicate that there are certain people who certainly get nothing. And if you don't do that, then it's vague and ambiguous where you simply say, I want to make sure I didn't forget anybody and I want everybody to know they're inheriting nothing. Yeah, I mean, we always put a no contest provision, but the only problem with saying they get nothing is, you know, you say, uh, okay, if you contest this, will you get nothing? But let's Mm -hmm. say they're getting nothing to begin with, so they really... Uh, oh. There's the argument that you could say, well, mm. gee, they have nothing to lose, so they can might as well contest. So right. now we put a no contest provision in every will and trust that we do, and the reason is at least it discourages people from contesting. Remember, right. we did talk about the one situation because you never know, as crazy as it may be. We talked about, I think, uh, uh, a year or so ago about a, uh, somebody who the husband's will said all to my wife and then equally to my four children. And one of the mm-hmm. four children thought that was unfair, and they contested the will. Right. And, we said, and we said, oh, well, uh, contesting child, you realize that uh, if you are unsuccessful, <laughs> that you're getting right. nothing. Right. Oh, somehow she dropped the lawsuit. Okay, well, yes. that's, <laughs> I, I don't understand how that happened. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but you always want to discourage people, but sometimes you have to give something to discourage them, otherwise they may contest. Uh, You know, on that case, by the way, we had suggested to the father, he wanted to disinherit that one child uh, that was the greedy child. Mm -hmm. He thought that being equal was not fair, that she deserved more than anybody else. Uh, And uh, and I said, no, she'll likely contest if you... um, if you give nothing to her. So we gave her an equal share, and still it wasn't enough. She still contested. So you know, so even the best laid plans, some people are just difficult. <laughs> it's almost, Michael, like tipping, too. You don't want to leave nothing on the table because then if it was poor service, um, the waiter or waitress will never know that because they'll think that the tipper forgot to leave a tip so therefore, you're supposed to leave a dollar or two dollars as opposed to 15 or 20 percent. And that it's sounds bad. analogous to what you're talking about. Yeah, these days, actually, you know, when we're picking up foods, because you go to a restaurant, we even give a a, a tip, uh, just actually for different reasons. We just want people to stay in business, and we're fearful that restaurants that are having unfortunate times uh, with COVID, that we feel like it's a good time to go ahead and give tips, even if they don't give the service that we did before. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's typical big-hearted Michael Cohen. He used the word um, Michael did discourage a number of times uh, a couple minutes ago. All I can do is the opposite, and and that is encourage you to attend his next workshop, which is a virtual online workshop. There's nothing in person yet uh, for obvious reasons, and that is scheduled for Tuesday, December the 1st at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And, Michael, tell the audience all about your workshops. Well, we, people get on Zoom. We make it easy. If you've never done Zoom before, don't worry. We're going to give you real easy instructions. You can just get on your phone or laptop. It's very, very simple. It's the new way of doing things these days. This is just like um, we're talking virtually today by phone. Well, this, like, this will be virtually as well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you could be on the phone. You could even see me on the phone. It's just very simple nowadays. Uh, it's the new, the, the way things are today. Well, anyway, it's it's by Zoom. Yeah, go ahead, mm-hmm. Doc. I was just going to say, and if, uh, if you don't want to be seen, you don't have to be seen as well. Yeah, you don't have to be seen or heard. You can just listen. Right. And we usually ask people whether you want to know. Whatever the questions are, and every workshop is different. We've been doing them for some time, for years now. And uh, and and we always get different questions because things happen all the time. It mm-hmm. could be, you know, last week we talked uh, on the show about the uh, president-elect's possible tax changes that could occur. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, somebody could ask, well, how is this going to affect um, uh, gift tax or capital gains right. tax or step-up in basis and the things that we talked about on last week's show. And by the way, uh, for those who don't know, we have podcasts of each of these shows on our website, DallasElderLawyer.com. So we have all the different shows that have different, whatever the topic may be. We've never, I don't think we've ever talked about debt before after death. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but every, usually we try to keep it uh, topical. A couple weeks ago, we had 36 different types of things that have things you should do after somebody dies. Mm-hmm. Or it could be the talk that we had. Uh, on um, who, what to talk about with your children, uh, uh, what to to do if something bad happens, if somebody's disabled or dies. Well, anyway, um, so we whatever. There's all sorts of different topics on our podcast on DallasElderLawyer dot com, DallasElderLawyer dot com, and that's the same website that you could uh, sign up for our next workshop on uh, that you said that's upcoming uh, to to. At that workshop, again, all you do is ask questions that you want to know. Is it about a will, about a trust? Is it about powers of attorney? Is it about tax laws? Is it about Medicaid? Is it about veterans' benefits? The laws change all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, will the laws continue to change? That's one thing we always know, that there's always a consistency that laws will always change. Relationships change. Money changes. Health changes. A lot of different types of things. Will there be new health care laws? We'll see. Uh, I, I think all these different types of things, and we never know what the questions will be. Right. Uh, so we ask people what they want to know. You'll learn something from the other people as to uh, what happens, uh, what what their questions might be, and what you would, might do and some of the considerations that are made. And then uh, if you go to that free two-hour estate planning essentials workshop, then we also give a free vision meeting is what we call it, which is where we look at your own situation if we didn't answer all the questions that you had at the workshop, but even or even if you even if we did, uh, we could go in further and look at your own estate planning documents and go over your own situation to make sure you take care of your loved ones. If you should become disabled or pass, uh, the way you want under your own terms and conditions to make sure that things are as easy as possible for those that you love, because we think that you do things because of our family at this time of the holidays in particular. Right. We do things to make things easier for our family because we love them. And so uh, we'll say, what is it that you want to do or what can we do to make it easier? Do you want to have it where there's no debt? Should there be a life insurance policy that takes care of that? Does your credit card have insurance on it? Is there mortgage insurance? There are all sorts of different types of things that you could think about. But that's never been asked on any questions in any workshop. I'm just sure. giving an example based on today's show, some of the things that we're talking about, and we'll talk about a little bit more in just a second. So uh, to do to attend that two-hour uh, two free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214 
720-0102, or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Excellent. we got about three minutes left for oh my goodness. addressing debt after death. What, what else? Okay, well, I better, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about credit cards, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, not only, but let's say you didn't do anything, and children aren't necessarily liable, but if you, unless they're on a joint application, of course, a surviving spouse might have community debts under Texas law, community property. Mm-hmm. If there's no assets, the credit card company will generally write it off. But if you start using it after that person dies, you could be, uh, you know, there could be potential fraud mm-hmm. on your part. You should notify the credit card uh, reporting agencies uh, about the, uh, you know, about the death because somebody might try to use that credit. Beware of collection agencies. A lot of times they tell you stuff just to try to collect. Uh, I should tell you that federal student loans are forgiven if it's a federal student loan for either the parent or student if you die. However, if it's a private loan, of course, it depends. Sometimes the debts will be written off, but a lot of times they're not. So you have sure. to be careful on the type of student debt. Uh, real quickly, also, if you have a mortgage, then the property passes subject to the mortgage. Uh, and then a lot of times it depends on the mortgage. Sometimes uh, there's no special requirement that you have to get uh, approval of the lender unless mm-hmm. it's a reverse mortgage. Of course, when it's a reverse mortgage, then the loan could be called due because that's an event of default. Whereas if you had just a regular uh, mortgage, uh, then um, then then you're going to take it subject to the mortgage and you might be able to either refinance or sell the property, but it is subject to that mortgage. And of course, if you are married, you do have the issues about uh, you'll, that you'll have to pay the, if you're married generally, you'll have to pay the other person's, if there's taxes due. Uh, of course, we talked about credit cards. But again, if you want people, and I don't know if you'll have to maybe look at pre or post nuptial agreements, but but bottom line is you may want to consider some insurance if you to leave no debt if you would like uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that your your loved ones uh, make it as easy as possible for them. I'm sorry I had to do that short shrift. I would have mm-hmm. gone in more detail, but you, but you could see uh, you know, I'm long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not about it being long-winded. You're just um, deeply knowledgeable when it comes to this stuff, and it's very, very important the audience understands your expertise and how complicated uh, these matters are and why they need to attend your next workshop. Um, another reason is, of course, we have a new president uh, who is going to be much more amenable and, and friendly to the House of Representatives, and they're going to try to get more things passed than they have the past four years. So we have to bear that in mind, too. And Michael might have some ideas as to things you should consider doing before the end of 2020. So all the more reason to sign up for his next workshop, which is Tuesday, the December the 1st at 1 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 to attend his virtual online via Zoom workshop, or just go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or you just Google Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, Dallas attorney, one top attorneys in the entire state of Texas of 30 million people, and he'll come up immediately, and you'll see why. Everything I've been saying to him about him over the last five years is completely true and accurate. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don, and happy holidays to all.
leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 